Good morning, church. It is the eternal proclamation of the church that it is the blood of Jesus that gives us life. And you can see examples of it every day if you look. Um, You can see it in the sacrifice of parents. Uh, You can see it uh, quite literally when you drive by Calamesa Church and there's people giving blood um, for other people. Um, You can see it when uh, Leela walks across uh, the senior pastor's back in front of the whole church. There are examples that give a taste of what sacrifice and love looks like. Obviously, though, that can only be completed um, in Christ. And as we sit here today, around the table, the time has once again come to participate in communion. The emblems have been prepared. Well, actually, in this case, they've been bought. Um, But they've been prayed for. The songs have been practiced and sung. The people have come to God's house. Everything we can see is ready, all in hopes that our hearts also will be ready. Because communion is a matter of the heart. It is a time that we as a church practice intentionally and choose to intersect the cross and our hearts together as a community. And today, as we look back in remembrance of that Last Supper, the meal that Jesus shared with his disciples right before he gave his life for you and I on that cross, I want to take some time reflecting on the First Supper, the meal that Jesus had with two of his followers right after he was resurrected. But before we dive in, let's just say a quick prayer. Dear God, today is a very special day. It is a humbling day. It is a day of remembrance, a day of repentance, one where we come to worship you and pray and hope uh, that your life and your Holy Spirit will just um, ebb into our life, that you will continue to to sustain us and feed us um, and protect us and save us. Um, So we come humbly. May we be able to hear what you would like us to receive today. In your name we pray, amen. These two disciples, two men from Emmaus, had become quick believers in the man called Jesus. In fact, they believed so hard in this man that they even called him Jesus the Messiah because they felt and knew that he was the promised one who had come to rescue them. But as Jesus Christ, which literally means the anointed one who saves, as he hangs on the cross, Hope seeps out of their hearts. These two men and the disciples and the other followers of Jesus, they hide and they mourn in confusion. But after three days for these two disciples, it's time to go back and return to normal life. You know what? Maybe Jesus wasn't who they thought he was. And so, on the third day after the cross, They leave Jerusalem, and they head back on the eight-mile walk towards Emmaus. And it is on this walk that Jesus himself arrives and has an encounter with them. Quite a long encounter. If you're a slow walker like me, that's a three-hour walk. Um, Maybe if you're Kathy and Jim, what is that? What's eight miles? Two hours? Um, The whole trip to Emmaus becomes a journey with the Savior. And it ends 
at a table like this. And here's how that first supper is recorded in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 30. As they sat down to eat, he, Jesus, took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and he gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were back on their feet, back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them. And they said, the Lord has really risen. These two disciples from Emmaus didn't even get to eat the meal. No bites were taken. I remember that when I was young, I used to complain to my parents that communion was just like the biggest tease. They cut the bread. Well, I, at this church, it's, it's Bud. Bud cuts the bread. So small. And there's barely like enough juice to like even wash those little crumbs down. Give me more. Honestly, I probably still would want more today. But communion is less about making sure we take the emblems four times a year and more about gathering around this table and letting Jesus work in our hearts. So we too can ask this question. Didn't our hearts burn within us? Communion, what we're going to do today, what we hopefully practice every day, is a matter of the heart. And we need communion. We need a time to remember the cross, a time to focus once again on the work of Jesus. Because our hearts, you know, they're little finicky things. Today at the table, we hope that God's promise to Ezekiel comes true. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. That's how the New Living Translation says it. And I will give you a tender, responsive heart. Without the active work of a crucified and risen Christ, our hearts will remain just that, stubborn, prone to pride, selfishness, judgment, hurry, anger, and hate. And even when the Holy Spirit does work and soften our hearts, it only takes one little poke, maybe from a spouse, maybe an annoying comment from a child, maybe even seeing someone down the hall who invokes a bad memory. And you know what happens? Our hearts become stubborn and hard all over again. Finicky little things. What is the state of your heart? How hard, stubborn, and lifeless is your heart? These are the questions that especially now we must wrestle with. We also need communion because it reminds us that our hearts are strongest when we are with the body of believers. The road to Emmaus is almost a failed story. It is almost a story of an end of relationships and the breaking up of community. The two disciples who had found Jesus, they believed he was the rescuer of Israel and that Jesus was building a community, the kingdom of the future. And we catch the story with them leaving the community because the dream is over. They lost a savior. They have lost their community. No wonder Luke describes them saying, sadness 
was written across their faces. I hope that you and I sitting here also believe that Jesus is the rescuer of the world and that he's building his church, a community that will be a part of an eternal kingdom of love. But you know what? Unfortunately, sometimes we too choose to journey away from our communities. Life gets busy. We get less plugged in. Our children get older, so maybe we feel like we don't need to invest as much in certain church ministries. We figure we might really not be needed uh, to put down the Christmas lights tomorrow at 8 a.m. <laughs> Technology has also given us a lot of options and the ability to worship anywhere, which is fantastic. But sometimes we might choose to have a pajama church a little too often. Now, as always, please listen to me, not with a, a one black and white mindset, but with a balanced one, because boundaries are important. But we need each other for our hearts to keep focused on Jesus. So communion calls us to recommit once again to the body of Christ. At that first supper on the table at Emmaus, the two disciples were remind us, reminded of this. This is what the text says. And within the hour after Jesus breaks bread, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them. They said, the Lord has really risen. These two disciples who now have the resurrection hope, they have proof in their hearts that Jesus is Christ. They walked with Jesus for eight miles. They knew right now they had to go back to their community to tell them the good news and bring hope and joy and strength back to the broken 11 disciples and the other believers. So church, make this community a place where you are vulnerable to let others speak into your life and really invest in the people around you. Ask them how they're doing so you know how to best to love them. Find out what is really hurting them so you can learn best how to share hope with them. Communion comes from the word, root word commune, and this is just what it means when you Google it. A group of people living together, sharing possessions and responsibilities. The communion table is not only where we ask once again for Jesus to light the fire in our hearts, but also where we recommit to each other. The cross calls us to heart repentance and community responsibility. So look around. You can do it. Look, look around. All the way around. We are all here at this table together. And now that we have been reminded of why we need communion, I'd like to venture through the story on the road to Emmaus and see how we can start to focus our life on matters of the heart. And here's how the story is told in Luke 24, starting in verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus. Ooh, seven miles from Jerusalem. I think it's seven or eight. The NLT chose seven, sorry. Um, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. In Luke's gospel, these are the first words that come out of Jesus' mouth after the cross. What are you discussing so intently? 
In other words, what is bothering you? What is that thing on your heart that is just nagging and stressing you? Christ's first words in this gospel ask these two disciples and ask us today, what really matters to you? You see, the Holy Spirit can't work in our hearts until we first are able to identify, struggle with, and then share what really matters with us to Jesus. You know, I sometimes hear this sentiment about church. Um, oh, I feel like Sabbath, I can just come to church and leave all my troubles at the door and worship. Um, now, I do believe that worship allows us to experience a peace that passes understanding. I mean, that it covers pain. But I want to push back on that idea a little bit. Because, you know, you can't just leave things at the door and expect to Jesus to do work in your heart. You need to bring your whole life to Jesus in order for him to work his resurrection in your heart. An important step to opening our hearts to Jesus at communion is by answering this question, what are you discussing so intently? In order for the cross of Christ to properly intersect with our hearts, we need to bring all of our struggles to the table. Maybe it's a strain in a family relationship. It could be feelings of uselessness, a lack of purpose and self-worth. It could be fear and stress from the world that we live in. Or maybe the job that you have to go back to on Monday. Jesus wants to know all about it. And he wants you to bring it to the table so you can have a heart-to-heart with him. And so, on the road to Emmaus, the two disciples open up their hearts fully, pain, struggles, and more to Jesus. They tell him this story of a man who they thought was the Messiah, but now is dead. And now there are these like confusing reports, he said, she said, about an empty tomb. The Savior is dead and the body is gone. I'm sure here Jesus is trying to hold back a little bit of a smirk. Um, it is his life story after all. And after they give Jesus this news update, Jesus gets a little frustrated. Um, he did tell them after three days he was going to rise again. But he continues to teach them history. In Luke 24, 27, it says, Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus, he opens the scriptures, the Old Testament at that time, and starts to show them that he, Jesus, is the center of it all. How all their past struggles, their future fears, have an answer that God has been unfolding throughout history. Jesus is the answer. Did you know that he is the answer for you today? And not only like in a salvific theological sense, um, that is true. But Jesus is the answer for you because this whole time, and when I say this whole time, I mean your whole life, before and after, he has been intertwining your life into a part of his history. If you look back on your life, undoubtedly, you'll see moments and twists and turns where you can say, oh, that was the hand of God. And it is an important practice to remember to reflect on our past so we can see the way that God is indeed moving. If we don't reflect, we just might miss it. Even the two disciples didn't even know they were talking to Jesus until after he had broke the bread for the meal with them. Communion is important because it is a time for us to reflect and remember to see scripture playing out on the sac- in the sacrifice on the cross and to see scripture playing out and bringing new life into your life today. The road to Emmaus was the first of many communion meals spent around the table with Jesus. Today, as we participate in communion, 
and taking the emblems, I want to ask you to do two things that we have talked about. Number one, have a heart-to-heart with Jesus about all your struggles, your pains, joys, and questions you have. Uh, For those uh, children and youth out there, that's why we have the moment of silence um, after we take the wine and the bread, to give you time to reflect, to have a heart-to-heart with Jesus. And number two, reflect on the work of Jesus throughout history, both on the cross and in your life. Church, as we partake in this meal, may our hearts be softened, may our community be strengthened, and may Jesus be glorified. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark, for being the Lord's servant today for the powerful word. I just want to uh, make sure before we begin, uh, if everybody has the emblems, and if you don't, if you'd just like to raise your hand, um, Ken right in the back is will we'll get you. Um, and we've got one down, he, uh, one down this way, too. Thank you so much, Ken. I also want to, oh, and there's a few more on this side. I want to invite you right now to prep your emblems. Um, the last time we did this, there were so many little pops, you know, it would be here. Uh, it might be wise to just go ahead and try to access the wafer on the top so that it's ready to go. And then you may even want to open the part for the juice as well. I'll give you a moment to do that. I think that helps us to be a little less distracted as we partake of them together and, and uh, be able to focus on what we're reflecting on. All right, does everybody have one? Thank you so much, Ken. And again, uh, again Pastor Mark, thank you for the powerful word. Uh, would you please uh, give us the blessing for the bread? Oh, let's bow our heads. Uh, Dear Jesus, giver of life, uh, you proclaim that you are the bread of life and that if we have you, we are fully sustained. Uh, We won't need another meal. Um, And so God, this morning, uh, we want to ask that we choose in our hearts um, to follow you, to let thoughts of you consume us. Um, We ask forgiveness for the times when we've sought nourishment in other places, um, we've tried to uh, do things our way or follow uh, ways that are not ones that you would approve of, um, we ask for repent, for forgiveness this morning for that. Um, and uh, God, as we uh, partake in this meal with you, we thank you that you uh, s- that you came and you died on a cross for us. Um, we thank you that we can be in communion with you.